sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. and shine sports investors it is another beautiful day in the neighborhood friday november 20th let's cock a doodle do it this is the early line giving you the edge on sports grid i'm dane martinez and as always i got my main man kevin walsh burning the candle at both ends trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day make it a profitable weekend and we will try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time kev week 10, 11, I have no idea where we're at anymore. Week 11 kicked off last night with a big-time game in the NFC West. These were two six-win teams that were tied atop the NFC West, and the home team gets it done. Seattle wins this game 28-21. to um, You know, Carlos Hyde as a running back was back for them, 14 for 79, giving them mm-hmm. a semblance of a run game. He gets into the end zone. Russell Wilson, no, no interceptions, right? He was having that interception turnover issue like we talked about that was not the case he is efficient 23 of 28 two touchdowns could have had more if dk metcalf doesn't let a ball bounce off his pacifier but honestly kev I think the other side of the ball is interesting. Carlos Dunlap, the newly acquired Seattle Seahawk, he makes his presence felt and with that defense, you know, in a critical point of the game. When this game was 23-21, you know, early in the fourth quarter, that Seattle defense forces an intentional grounding to back Arizona up to the two, then creates a holding penalty in the end zone, Kevin. Honestly, that sequence was huge. It goes from 23-21 to 25-21. You know, it goes from Arizona down two with the ball right in this game to Seattle, then up four with the ball. They get a field goal to get that final working margin of seven, and the Seahawks go to seven and three, first place in the NFC West. What do you think about this one, Kev? This is... A massive game, and it's a game that's, you know, it's cool because the side that I was most confident in came home. The side you were most confident in came home as, as regards to the under. So uh, a sure. good game for the early line crew. The Seattle Seahawks, though, won this game in a way that I, I wasn't expecting. Now, I thought Kyler was going to probably have his worst game in some time. He's just kind of due for it. In the same way, Dalvin Cook could not get into the end zone against the Bears. It's like it's some, You're not going to score 25 rushing touchdowns. Unless you are, and you're going to, you know, break some records. Kyler Murray needed to have some level of a bad rushing game. Five for 15, no scores. Worst rushing performance by a mile that he's had all season long. So I thought Arizona may be struggling a bit. I thought that the Seahawks offense, though, would be more explosive. I thought that they were going to push the ball downfield from the word go until they blew the final whistle. And it was a little bit just more methodical. Like, even... The, the ground game was certainly rolling. Carlos Hyde, 14 of 79, looked yeah. good. Bo Scarborough getting involved. Sure. Um, it, it is skewed a bit. It, it looks like they were running the football a ton. Russ had 10 carries. I don't think a single Scrambles. one of them was designed. So, right. it, you know, there was a lot more dropbacks than this would suggest. But, you know, Russ, 23 of 28, he didn't crack 200 yards. 
Russell Wilson had 125 passing yards, Dane, at half. He had an over-under live of 255 and a half and just never flirted with it. And I actually was thinking about playing the over. Seattle went Rams and just kind of sat on the football. That caught me off guard. No, I hear you. You know the way I feel about the importance of the run game, right? And maybe having that enabled them on some level to feel comfortable with that scheme. You know, it, it, a lot of times when we talk about it, Kev, it's not only the box score. You know, I know you've mentioned like DJ Dallas got into the end zone, you know, in previous games. I think it's what in, it, it enables coordinators, coaches uh, to be able to do. Um, and Carlos Hyde certainly had that presence be felt. You know, we talk about elements of the game, even when we talked about things like Cam Newton being able to throw the ball, right, to be a complete offense. And that may be something that was lacking in the previous games as we welcome in our radio audience, all of our affiliates out there for getting on the grid. We appreciate you bright and early in the morning here with Dane and Kev. You know, Kev, what about this defense, though? Listen, everybody's been saying, like, the Seattle Seahawks cannot get to the promised land Mm -hmm. with this defense, right? Now, last week, I believe they looked decent against San Francisco. This week... You know, I mean, they give up 21 points, but to your point, uh, Kyler Murray had his worst game of the season, right? Part of that has to be because the Seattle Mm -hmm. defense made that so. Here's other things I'm thinking of, Kev. Jamal Adams was out for, you know, like three, four weeks in there at some point. That's a big playmaker gone. And, you know, I'm not going to say Carlos Dunlap is all of a sudden Aaron Donald, right? But he made, he had two sacks yesterday. He's someone who can make plays. And, Kevin, 2020... Isn't that really all you need as a defense, the ability to maybe bend and not break and then make some timely plays, especially if you got Russ and that top flight offense on the other side? Yeah, no, I mean, it's all about playmaking these days. That, that's what you need. That's Carlos Dunlap and Jamal Adams are two. Sure, no, no, a couple of playmakers, no doubt about it. And I don't want to take away from what Seattle did, but Bobby Wagner. similar to what <laughs> similar to what I'm saying about how Kyler kind of had a, a lower kind of game, Seattle – couldn't give up 30 points in every single football game they played, right? Like, they had to have a little bit of a better performance somewhere along the line. I just want to mention this from the Arizona side, right? Yeah, when that- it comes to this NFC West, you know, I've the, the Seahawks have always been near the top. I've been higher on the Rams. Arizona's been a little all over the place for me. Yeah. That team is a DeAndre Hopkins, Hal Mary away from being looked at as Fugazi. Right? I mean, they just are. Three losses in a row, five and five. They go to New England next week. That, and I said it when it happened, that pass might have saved their season. They still got a lot to prove for me. I think that's fair. We should talk about the expectations also. Like, maybe they're just a year early anyway, right? We'll talk about this in all the Week 11 games when we come back right here on the early line. race sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com hey welcome back in everybody right here to the early light on dane and kevin and kev you know i i made that last point as we were going to break right after this this makes what this makes seattle six and four Right. Like when we were going into this, see, uh, excuse me, Arizona, it makes Arizona six and four. 
Right. And when we were going into this season, you know, we were talking about Arizona as like a team that's on the come that might get to seven or eight wins this year, you know, like a threatening third place team. Right. And so the fact that they were at the top of the standings maybe was just getting out over the skis. If we recalibrate. Right. You still, you know, the when you say they're fugazi to me, that comes to relative to expectations. Right. And the expectations after the Hail Mary were maybe too high to begin with, right? Because that was when they were at their apex. If we kind of reset where we think Arizona should have been, I don't think they're Fugazi. You know what I mean? I still think they're having a good year. The arrows are still pointing up. Kyler Murray is a revelation and is now like the third choice for MVP. So like for me, and I know what you're saying, Kev, but like even if they have a down stretch, right? Even if they come back to earth a little bit, I would I would stop shy of saying that they were uh, Fugazi because Listen, you know, from here on in, you've got to consider this a win for the Cardinals season, even if, like, they don't make the playoffs. Well, so, this is the thing. Okay, if you were to ask August Kevin and August Dane, 100%. But that's not where we are. Week 7, they beat the Seahawks. We're talking about can this team win the division. They came into this week as the division leaders, right? And they fell short against the Dolphins in what we all thought was a great... I mean, you couldn't find anybody back in Miami in that football game, which I guess should have been the telltale sign of what was about to happen. And then that game against Buffalo as well. And that's my thing with Arizona. Again, when you just peel through what the Cardinals have done on this season, lost to the Lions, lost to the Panthers... Lost to the Dolphins. Probably should have lost to the Bills. The wins, and I know I've said this all season long, when you start picking apart resumes, it's a tricky game because there's not a lot of teams out there with fantastic resumes. But the Cardinals are a team now, Dane, that's expected to make the playoffs. They post those odds. They're gigantic minus money to make the postseason. People are excited about Kyler Murray. They think this team can create some noise in the postseason. And what I've seen from them through 10 games Yes, from an organizational standpoint, the arrow is ticking up. Relative to this season, though, I don't think they're a team that I'm going to be backing if they are able to get to the postseason. We're all talking about Minnesota, right? Sneaking up. Could they maybe? Who's the target point? It it could be Arizona. I think that is fair, right? I I just like to caution the overreactions one way or the other. Even, like, after the Hail Mary, maybe there was an overreaction on the positive side, right? So I ultimately think Arizona will kind of settle right in to where they're going. And to be quite honest, the seven-point loss at Seattle on a short week is nothing really – to be uh, upset about, you know, in the grand scheme of things, right? If a team goes 10 and 6, let's say, and one of their six losses is on the road at Seattle on Thursday night football, it's like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. I'll eat that one. But in any event, we got plenty of other games to go through. So let's do that. We'll continue to talk about the NFC West, I am sure, throughout this season, right? Big games in the AFC, Kev. One of them is the Tennessee Titans going to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. At last check for me, we've had a little bit of line movement. This is now down to five this morning. It says five and a half yeah. here. It is down to five. Forty-nine and a half is the total in this one, Kev. I look at turnover over margin. 
margin. The Tennessee Titans are number one in the NFL at plus 10 of their turnover margin. And we have seen Lamar. We're worried about, oh, will Lamar throw the pick in the right time and all that stuff? But maybe they won't have to, right? Because this run game is still there. And I know you are not impressed by the Tennessee Titans defense. Can Lamar and the Ravens do what they do with their second ranked run game? And would that be enough to, you know, keep your boys Tanny and King Henry off the field? So this game, more than any game the Ravens have played in a while, is the one that I think will make a big difference for me when we talk about the panic button, right? Mm. The Titans' defense last week was embarrassing. Embarrassing. Again, the only punt they forced was the last (laughs) possession of the game for the Indianapolis Colts, who were quarterbacked by Phillip Rivers. Now, the Titans have had a long time to prepare for them. Good. Good. So they should be as ready as they could possibly be for the Baltimore Ravens. If the Titans go out there and they hold that team to below their team total, then I'm now, of course, we'll watch the game and maybe, you know, things look different for whatever. But if this team does not get to above their team total, which is 27, then I'm going to have some serious questions as to what's actually going on here. Because I've posed this question, Dane, I don't know how long, since the Steelers yeah. game, like, right? What is going on yeah. with Lamar? Is he okay, right? right? And, I know, and I know for yeah. you, it's like, this is why I'm lower on them. And, the, and I'm like, listen, and I get that, everybody. But this isn't just when he plays good teams now. He's just not playing good football across the right. board. He's not even close to what he was doing last year. This mm-hmm. is a defense that's supposed to get that's him right. right. This that's is the right. team that's supposed to get him right. Let me help you out on this. Let me help you out on this. The Tennessee Titans are second worst in the NFL. And what I think is a critical stat here, Kev, getting off the field on third down. Okay. They allow 53% third down conversion, Kev. Like that's a recipe for disaster. Now here's the thing, right? If Baltimore is in third downs, right? Lamar's Mm going to have to convert some. Right? Lamar's going to have to convert some. And to your point, this Titans defense could be the elixir that Lamar needs, right? Because if they're soft and uh, they can't stop drives and get off the field, Lamar has to keep Tennessee like that. He's going to have to convert some third downs, throwing balls over the middle to Willie Sneed, right? He's going to have to turn some third and eights into first down and drives being extended. And the other part I said, though, Tennessee, what they do do is take the ball away. Right, their turnover margin. Yeah. Lamar's going to have to play a clean game, and he's going to have to convert on third down. If he does, not only, in my opinion, it sounds like in yours, Baltimore should be able to win, and it should be a resume proof point that Lamar needs in this essentially long conversation about Lamar's development. Right? Yeah, and and the funny thing about this is, let's say Lamar goes out there, and it's a oh he's back. How fun was that? Yeah, right. Seventy on the ground, four yeah, yeah. total touchdowns, like sure. two hundred fifty yards thrown. Like we're like oh this is great. Yeah. It will be met with yeah, but it's a Titans defense. That's right. fine. We haven't had that. Still we haven't been at. That's it. Like we haven't had ads. Let's see it at first, first, right? Right. Like let's get to the point like where stage we're one. Let's the see opponent. it at first. Yeah. Then, yeah. Right. Then it's like now like, do it I, against a better exactly. team. Right. 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 Let's I do it at forward. First. I look forward to the conversation where we discredit who he did it against because we haven't been able to right, do exactly. that. There, there's been right, like there's been no game where he's popped. I agree off. with you. We from see the this game similarly, Kev. Yeah. From from the Titans side of this. 
they're also struggling. I, I mean, as much as Baltimore's had some of the shine taken off of them, the Titans, yeah. again, I really like this team coming into the year. I felt really smart about it through five weeks. They lost to Pittsburgh. I said, oh, they were competitive at the end. Goskowski, I can't believe he has a job. Vrabel, stop being right. friendly. And then they lost to the Bengals. And I'm like, yeah, but I like the Bengals in the game. They would be tricky. And then they beat the Bears. And I'm like, yeah, see, no problem. They're fine. And then the Colts game happened. And I've never viewed this team. And I, I can't look at them the same. I mean, we are now a full week removed from that football game. And I've mentioned that game so many times. And I've yet to snap out of the, like, I'm out. And that's how I feel. I just feel like I'm out. And maybe, you know, we'll be back around and I'm like, yep, I never left the ship, everybody. We're still Titans all over. Right, right. I'm out right now. So I, I'm i going to roll with Baltimore in the game. I kind of like the over as well because I think the Titans are going to have to keep this thing moving if they're going to want to stay competitive. And I think I'm going to end up back in Lamar props. That's my expectation for this football game. All right, fair enough. I, I I think I'm going to be on the other side. You know, this Baltimore defense is still number one in the NFL, giving up like 18 points a game, right? So that total mm-hmm. at 49 and a half, this could be a different kind of style makes fight, Kev. This could be incredibly physical, right? With the run game on one side and them testing King Henry against that Ravens defense. I actually think this profiles as a more slugfest, a slower paced, lower scoring game. And to be quite honest, as you know, I have never hopped off the Titans fully just yet i like tennessee with the points in this one both of them are chasing the kansas city chiefs and we'll talk about the chiefs game against the las vegas raiders interesting divisional matchup we will do that when we come back we'll also talk about all the contenders in the nfc will Jameis eat a w in a big time nfc south matchup we'll talk about that as well after the news break right here on sports grid giving you the edge with the early line sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com welcome back in everybody right here to the early line we big shout out to all of our affiliates radio video so many ways to watch and listen to us to get the edge on sports grid kev let's keep it moving a lot of games here in week 11 to give our thoughts on a big one in the afc whether you believe in buses and parking lots and donuts what have you the kansas city chiefs did lose to the raiders last time out and so now they got a chance to get them back and their place in las vegas right we've heard about some of the drama back and forth but these two teams don't like each other and if you are the kansas city chiefs defense i don't think you need bulletin board material you gave up 40 to these guys last time around and kev to be honest you know i have always sneakily looked at the kansas city chiefs defense This is a defense, Kev, that's sixth in the NFL, giving up 20.3 points a game. They gave up 40 to the Raiders last time at their place. I got to think they're going to be a little bit pissed off with a chip on their shoulder. If they have a representative effort, you think they get by Vegas this week? Really? Oh, I mean, they're going to win this game. There is no result I'm more confident in than the Chiefs winning this football game. There's, yep. They're not losing twice to a division opponent. I agree. That's, and they're off of a bye week. And they also and poke Andy the bear, Reed. you know what I mean? You don't poke the yeah, bear, I think. This, here, here's my thing, though, with this game, just from yeah. when we're picking it, right? 
The first game flew over the number. There were 72 points. So everyone's going to want to bet the over. Oh, the Chiefs mm-hmm. are off of a bye week. They're going to be pissed off. Oh, they're going to score 45 points. Everyone's going to bet the over. Also, all of that applies to the Chiefs routing them. They're going to win by two touchdowns. This game is very much so lined up for one-way action. Everyone's going to be on the Chiefs. But I don't think the Raiders are the side. So I'm trying to figure out how I want to play this game. And it's not to say that, like, I'm all, oh, fade the public. They don't know what they're doing. It's we're not, mm-hmm. we're not getting a fair shake on this number. You know that I do this all the time. I talk about, hey, well, if this game was played in the inverse, yeah. what's the number? They're right. laying eight right now, Dane. Meaning if we flip this around and, you know, we believe in the home field advantage number. Two touchdowns at Arrowhead, right? That's ridiculous. They already played an Arrowhead. The number was ten and a half. They were only two touchdowns to this team. You know, I was hoping that this number would get to six and a half. I thought that that would have been a fair shake. And I would have bet the Chiefs right. to win the game by a touchdown. touchdown. And it's not, and this is the thing, this line's only going in one direction. As this game gets closer and closer, people will be betting the Chiefs more and more and more. I don't want to tell you the game's a pass. That's no fun, but it's going to be a props game for me. I- I'm going to look for Kelsey, who put the entire, and I still don't know why, but he put the entire loss to this team on his shoulders. I'm going to look for Mahomes' touchdown props. Like, yeah. that's the way for me to approach this game because I think the Chiefs are the side. But I don't think we're getting a fair shake. I lean to the over. I don't think we're getting a fair shake there either. All right, fair enough. You mentioned Kelsey. He has gone over 100 yards in his last two games, if you're looking at those prop bets. And Patrick Mahomes, you're talking about touchdowns. Kev, Patrick Mahomes in his last game threw his 100th touchdown pass of his career. In 40 games, Kev. So he's averaging two and a half for his entire career. He beat uh, the fastest to 100 touchdowns in a career, beating Dan Marino to that mark. Okay, we got another game to discuss. Uh, You know, another contender, this time in the NFC, the New Orleans Saints, right? We saw some contenders potentially in the NFC last night. The Saints are right there as well at 7-2. and They host the Atlanta Falcons, okay? You heard in the update. Date, Kev, you know, Alvin Kamara is doing okay, so no one should be worried about him. And Kamara, you know, Kamara is a beast, right, with 1,134 scrimmage yards and 11 touchdowns already so far this season. But this game comes down to famous Jameis. Kev, yeah. I remember throwing this out there uh, when they signed Jameis. And I said, this is an interesting move for Jameis for two reasons. He gets to learn under Sean Payton and Drew Brees, right? And the other thing I said, I don't know if you remember this, was that maybe being with the Saints is good because he stays in the NFC South, a division he is very familiar with. And if he was ever pressed into action, you know, there's a great likelihood he would have to see either Atlanta or Carolina or his former team, all which he is familiar with. And what do you know? In his first start, he sees the Atlanta Falcons. Is this an advantage for Jameis because he knows a little bit about Atlanta? Or is this an advantage for Atlanta because they know a little bit about Jameis? I think for Jameis, the familiarity is nice because this is his first start, not for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think if you're the Falcons, you can't put too much on, we've seen this guy before. Maybe if certain corners, like, listen, I'm telling you, he has a, he has a tell. If he taps his you know, hand, he's going this way, yeah. his eyes will Or you could bait him into something, be. right? You know, right. things like but that. Just carry the, 
if you just think about what he was last year in Tampa Bay, it was like, look, I exclusively throw 40-yard passes. Well, the Saints exclusively throw 10-yard passes. You know, like, it's a, right. like it's a totally different world we're playing in. For me, yep. I'm upset Drew Brees is missing this game because it was going to make the game pick easy for me. I still might have lost, but I knew what I wanted to do. And it was back mm-hmm. at the Falcons in both Saints games and expect to split from both a side, from the spread and the money line. I expect Atlanta to beat the Saints once every season. This game is happening off right. of the bye week. Why not this week? But now the whole thing is different because Jameis Winston is the quarterback. This isn't normal. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm just going to turn my attention to the total. Last week okay. I played the over in the Saints-Niners game. Jameis entered. The Saints no longer wanted to move the football, and I lost it. Well, he owes me one. So Jameis, you owe me an over. I expect him to pay up this week over <laughs> 51. That's all I'm doing with this game. Fair enough. Uh, can I ask you from a schematic standpoint, from like what you expect to see? You know, the headline is obviously Jameis, right? Trying to eat these W's. Yeah. Um, how many snaps is Taysom Hill going to get? Like, what do you think? Because here's the thing. Also, Jameis is new to this team. Does he know the Does he know the full playbook, right? Has he had time to build chemistry with these guys? He hasn't got a lot of reps with the ones, right? You got to mm-hmm. think Taysom Hill knows this offense better. You got to think Taysom Hill they can do more with. Now, I'm not saying Taysom Hill is going to get 50 snaps, right? I'm not even saying Taysom Hill is going to get more than Jameis, right? But, but what do you expect? I kind of think that Sean Payton is going to break out some of the stuff that he's been saving for these situations. What do you think we're going to see from Taysom Hill and, you know, kind of the uh, creative parts of Sean Payton? Do you think we're in for some of that? Uh, so... I think we're going to see a lot of Taysom Hill because he loves Taysom Hill. And I felt like yeah. last week we saw him a bunch of, in the second half. Here's what, I, here's what I'll tell you, though. Uh, for those that are DFS players on FanDuel, Taysom Hill checks in at $4,500 at the tight end mm. position. You kind of like have it. to do it. At the tight end I, I know people, yeah, people try and worry about ownage percentage. I get all of that. Last week, I think there might have been like six tight end touchdowns the whole week, right? and like one right. of them wasn't even playable on FanDuel because it was the backup, backup tight end on the Panthers, sure, sure, sure. and he literally wasn't an option. Tight end is such a mess unless you play Travis Kelsey, who's, for reference, 8,000. So when you're building a salary, like, it's mm-hmm. difficult. He's 4,500. If he's terrible, it doesn't hurt. You've paid close to the minimum for the position, yeah. and Taysom Hill can throw, can catch, can run sure. touchdowns. I just think that's the best way to back Taysom Hill if you're a DFS player. Fair enough. You may even get a blocked punt out of the deal. One thing I will say about the Saints, because you have been on this all season long, and Kev, we should at least give them credit. The Saints' defense is improving, right? And that's another thing we have to look at. I will also say this, Kev, they are all the way up now to second in the NFL against the run, Kev. Did you know that? They're only giving up 76 yards a game now against the run. That's good for second in the NFL. So if they can fix it up like that, I do think that is important. I know game flow and stuff like that does have something to do Bucks with it. Because the Bucs game, there was well. like six rushing yards. Right. That's no, why I like, the Bucs game really skews that number. But these are differences also. So fine, skews that number. But in points per game, they were at one point giving up 30 a game. That's all the way down to now 23, right? So they're, they're improving on defense one other nfc contender we may have to cover this more on the other side of the break is the green bay packers they go to indianapolis to take on the colts these are teams kev i know specifically with indy that we have been you know 
we have been trying to figure out and if they have the elements that matter in January. I will say Devontae Adams didn't practice earlier this week. Um, that's something to definitely look at because he kind of is the sizzle. He is the playmaker along with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you the way I feel about this game, and we'll get time for your response, and we'll continue it on the other side of the break. My note here is that the Green Bay Packers are sizzle, but the Colts are the steak. The Colts are real. You know what I mean? The way they are built, I I believe in. I think travels. Green Bay Packers, sure. They're scoring 30 points a game. Aaron Rodgers leads, you know, the league in passing rating, right? He's an MVP candidate. We know what Devontae Adams can do. But I think, you know, the underrepresented parts, the non-public parts, defense, running game, the lines being built from the inside out, that's what the Colts do, right? The Colts give up the fewest sacks in the league. Kev, they have only given up nine sacks all season, right? Speaking to that offensive line, the defense, right? Top three points per game, top three yards per game allowed, top three against the run. Those are the things that make you like, you know, substantial, able to travel, all that stuff. I actually think Indy could quasi punch these Packers in the mouth, Kev. It's funny, we're going to end up on the same side, but for wildly different reasons. Because Ah. I think how you described the Colts was true in the beginning of the year and is moving in a different direction. And they are now a team... Offensively or defensively? Offensively. Fine, I'll give you that. Rivers is doing more. But defensively and defensive line and still having a solid offensive line is still how this team is built, right? Well, they, I mean, look, at the end of the day, they have a very strong defense, but they realized that trying to put Phillip Rivers in a box and trust Jonathan Taylor was not getting the job done. They looked offensively inept. They're now pushing the football. No, I think that is true. And Rivers has a rating of over 105 in three of his last four. We'll talk more about this game on the other side of the break right here in the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. We're talking about Packers, Colts. Okay, the Colts are at home. One and a half is the spread here. 51 is the total. Kev, you know, sometimes when these sizzly public offenses come in and face a defense that we trust and respect, especially on the road, they get slapped down. I, I, I don't know if this game gets in the 50s. Kev, you know what I mean? Uh, because I think the Colts defense is strong. I've seen the Pats, excuse me, I've seen the Packers lay eggs against good defenses on the road before. It happened when they went to Tampa, if you remember that, right? But then talk to me about this Colts offense, because I also believe they're built on their offensive line. You know, they dump it down to Naheem Hines a ton. But to your point, they have been, um, you know, uh, taking the handcuffs off of Phillip Rivers a little bit more yeah. Recently, allowing him to give his wide receiver chances going down the field a little bit more and probably to the benefit of the Colts offense. Yeah, because that's what you need to do to win, to, to be real. Like, you're not, look, playing 1970s football is great until you come up against real teams. And that was the Colts' issue at the beginning of the year when they weren't playing the Bears and they were literally right. just playing a team like the Browns. And it was like, oh, gosh, what are we going to do? And now they've kind of put themselves in a nice position. 
I, I like the move with Naheem Hines as the lead back. I want to ask you about that. Pittman's mm. insertion, all that they, they just they feel more explosive. And that was a change out of the bye. So I like what I'm seeing from them in that regard. I also just want to say Rivers versus Rogers reminds me of what I believe to be the squarest bet I've ever made in my life. And it was a <laughs> it was a legitimate bet where I sat there and I was like, all right, you need to kind of reassess what you're doing. Last year, the Green Bay Packers went to LA to play the Chargers. And I was all over Green Bay. And I said, listen, at the end of the day, there's no way they lose that game. The Chargers are terrible. The Packers are great. And I remember it vividly. I remember Gabe was like, upset special, Chargers get the Packers. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm telling you to myself, I'm like, I'm like this guy, man, is trying to be the smartest guy in the room. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, And they, the Packers got obliterated by the Chargers. A bad char- like obliterated them. And that's right. why a lot of times you now, you'll hear me, we talk about schedule spots, traps, wire lines this way, because... Nothing is ever as easy as it seems. So just to see these two quarterbacks here again reminds me of that. A short mm-hmm. Packers line, and everyone's going to be like, oh, Green Bay, the dog. And, I, and right. it's like, I'm like, oh, boy, boy, boy. Like, this is almost like I have PTSD with these two quarterbacks. And, like, that's almost why I have to back the Colts here. So that's another thing that's playing uh, in my mind. But I just wanted to ask you with the backfield. I know your kind of MO all year has been Give me Hines versus the yep. rest of these guys. Sure but has. This is this took a shift last week where it's not Gimme Hines. It's, yeah, it's I mean, Hines is the lead running back on this team. How high are you when it comes to what Hines can do in a matchup against a pretty bad run defense? Um, I think he's an RB two. Um, especially in PPR form- formats. I mean, in PPR formats, you know I've been saying that all season long, that he's the dependable Colts back to own. But to your point, uh, Jonathan Taylor is not working out for them. Jo- uh, Jordan Wilkins, you know, is what he is. But I think they're realizing, like, like hey, Naheem Hines can get the job done, right? Like, yeah. he's never going to be a top-flight back, but he seems to be their best back even between the tackles. Like, there's just juice with Naheem Hines that seems to be lacking with Wilkins and Taylor. And I, especially in PPR format, I'm comfortable calling Naheem Hines an RB2 and the Colts back to own. Let's keep it moving here. Another team in the AFC that we want to wonder about is the Miami Dolphins. This one, although it says Miami.Denver, the Dolphins will be going to Denver to take on the Broncos. Three and a half. We got a home dog situation, though, here, Kev. You know, Denver is at home. They are getting three and a half. Let me tell you how I see this one real quick, Kev. Remember when I started giving you um, earlier in the week defenses uh, for the fantasy playoffs and offenses to target, right? And one of the things I mentioned there was that Denver could be an offense to target. They score only 20 points a game. That's good for 28th in the NFL. Bottom five. I also told you, Kev, that they turned the ball over. They had the most turnovers in the NFL even more than your Eagles, Kev. With 21 turnovers, the Denver Broncos are the most in the NFL. And what have we been saying about this Dolphins defense recently? They keep turning people over. Remember against Jared Goff, against Kyler Murray? They were doing this. And on the flip side, 
Remember, like in Tua's first win, it was all punt return and defense. Then Tua has started getting into the act himself. Tua is 3-0. and Tua has yet to throw a pick, Kev. So for me, if Miami and Tua are just going to be efficient and kind of keep moving the ball and keep doing their thing, I don't know that Denver has the horses to score enough points or if Drew Locke can take care of the ball enough to get this done. I know, you know, I love these home dogs all the time. But to me, mm-hmm. Miami is just becoming businesslike, efficient, taking care of the ball, and Denver can do none of those things. So this is a line that does stink to me, that it's only three and a half. Denver yeah. was obliterated last week. Yeah. Miami, Tua, 3-0, and 3-0 and against the number. It all looks great. I'm, as I'm, I, I don't care. I'm tired of picking against Miami. I'm just tired of it. I picked against them all three games, and it's not worked any of the games. And I'm starting to not like this team. Because all three, I'm serious, all three of those games, like the Rams game, I'm like, oh, my God, like they have 17 defensive and special teams touchdowns. That's not right. The Arizona game, to me, Cliff Kingsbury messed that whole thing up. I still can't believe he settled for a 50-yard field goal with Zane Gonzalez on a fourth and one opportunity, and they messed that game up. Last week against the Chargers, they start the whole thing off with a blocked punt. I like, I'm tired of it. But I'm not going, like, I know that this is a trap line. I hope Denver wins this game. I, like, I would rather that outcome. But when you sit there, this is the type of game, when you sit there at 730 with your losing Denver ticket, it's it's like, oh, gosh, man. Right. Like, like. All of the Miami numbers have been have been trap numbers. All like they're they're all fishy and make no sense and all of this stuff. Like Denver, like do we know if it's lock or ripping? Like what are we doing here? Like this number is three and a half. It probably should be closer to five or six with the way Miami's been playing, with the way Denver's been playing. Right. I'm just gonna take Miami. I hope I lose. I hope I'm wrong. I have no other choice. Money line or what? Oh gosh, I never like one seventy six. Just lay the three and a half. The inter- and this is the thing: like people would bet our bet Denver the with the too. With... Yeah, watch that but... hook. Watch Miami win this game twenty seventeen. Kev. Oh god, awful. So would you would you take the points? Because you were saying you like Miami. I would pass on this game because I see this just like you. I do believe, but this smells to me, right? And you know even last week, right? With When they were playing the Chargers last week, what was our argument? Ah, the law of averages is going to have to regress on Miami, right? Right. And it didn't happen, right? So, so and, and that's why I keep on framing these Dolphins as like, do we trust them yet with some of these other yeah. teams at this level of the AFC? That's why, because... They're proving themselves, yet we're slow to trust. And I just think we're still in that phase of like not believing what we're seeing with our own two eyes. Tua has not yeah. turned the ball over yet. Denver does. This Miami defense is good. It may be Brett ripping under center. Everything's saying, just like you, let's just take Miami and be done with it. But then it just mm-hmm. seems sneaky, right? Them good old home dogs. They said, I'm, I, I'm yeah. staying away. From this one, Kev, I got to tell you, we're going to talk about your Eagles playing the Cleveland Browns. And you know what I just said about Miami, that they're being efficient, that they're not turning the ball over, that they're being more professional as a team. Well, boy, Kev, that is going to be my description of these Cleveland Browns as well. I mean, Baker hasn't thrown a pick in his last two games, right? Nick Chubb comes back and that run game is there. And here's the other thing, again, on the turnover margin, Kev. 
You know about the Eagles. They're minus seven on the season. The Browns are plus four on the season in the turnover margin. Carson Wentz has been sacked more than any other quarterback. He leads the league in interceptions. Those are all the kinds of things, Kev, that the Browns aren't doing anymore. They're not turning the ball over. Baker is playing within himself. You know I've always said how important that run game is for Cleveland because it enables them to play the way Stefanski wants them. That is kind of happening more and more now. It's almost like Kev, and I would have never said this about a year ago, the Browns are the team out of these two that I just trust more than Philly to, you know, be professional, do what they got to do and avoid the big mistake. And I think that's good enough to win against these Eagles. So, you'll you'll check me on this, but this is another trap line, is it not? Why is this three? And here's the thing. The line was one and a half on a look-ahead, which was a trap line in of itself. The idea that the Eagles would have been coming on in here is only... But this right now is what that says. The the one and a half was a trap line. They had but no choice to move it to three because of Philly losing to the Giants. This should, why? How is this at least? How are you not paying for the hook to back an Eagles team that just lost the bye off the Giants against the Browns team that's been churning out results? This is the type of game I have. We have seen this throughout the year. Everybody sells a team, they come right back around. So, like the Eagles play their best game of the year. I am not set that is not wishful thinking. I will not bet it. I do not trust them. But this is what happens with numbers like this. Maybe you disagree and you think the three is bang on. I don't think that's the case. How is this not at least three and a half? Pay the hook or a four. Neutral with the way that that Philly's been playing football right now. There is something about the Browns clearly that is not being trusted. Or there are people who think Philly is due for a, you know, straight on type of good performance as they're getting some more guys back. And maybe that's the case. Again, I'm not saying this from a Eagles fan perspective. I don't trust them. I can't trust them. I'm so tired of it. I don't even really want to watch the game. Of course, I'll be watching the game. But this is another line to me, similar to what we just talked about. That feels short, and it's probably short for a reason. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's why even when I described it, remember I described Miami and Cleveland as two teams that are taking care of business, being professional, but we don't trust it yet, you know? So that is interesting to me. Good matchup of running backs here and Miles Sanders and Nick Chubb. They're the only two running backs, Kev, that average over five yards a carry so far this season. We did, however, here, you know, you mentioned that the Eagles are getting people back, but Kev, just yesterday we heard J.J. Arcega-Whiteside tested positive for COVID and two other wide receivers are you know on the close contacts list talk to me about this because you're talking about the the eagles getting healthy but you know there's some still stuff up in the air when it comes to the eagles in their wide receiver room it's not rager it's not you know goddard and stuff like that but what do you think about uh this any blip on the radar for you that uh our single white side and some close contacts are uh being shut down yeah it matters a lot more right who the honestly no no it doesn't even matter as long as it's not miles sanders like, and that, isn't that, like, incredibly pathetic? But, like, Dane, if I, I'm like, Dane, oh, no, Travis Fulgham's out? Oh, no, Reader, who's played two football games. Like, no, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside couldn't be any more meaningless to his football team. Again, this guy went in the second round, completely irrelevant, never has the ability to step up and do anything for this team. I'm not, like, uh, it's, it's incredibly unfortunate he has COVID, but it makes no difference to an Eagles number that they're missing J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. So, 
I mean, as long as everybody else is okay, unless we hear some other key names pop up. Although, to be fair, right, wasn't it always inevitable that the Eagles, oh, they're getting healthy. We're going to get hit with COVID. Gosh, I cannot, like, I am so (laughs) tired of this season, Dane. I mean, like. Because here's the thing, it's inevitable that everyone is going to get it eventually. Yeah, no, but but if you had, like, if you were going to make a betting favorite, it would be the Philadelphia Eagles as they're getting actually healthy that they were going to get hit by COVID. I, I just, I can't do this anymore. I'm so tired of this season. And like, who knows? Like, and maybe the trap line comes out, and then they win this football game. And then you know what happens? We turn around on Monday Night Football prime time, and they play the Seahawks. And Russ was like, "Yeah, I was saving it in the bag for you, buddy. Here's 500 yards." I just, oh god, it's, awesome. it's possible. I think I might just take the Browns on a damn money line and parlay it with like a favorite in the UFC tomorrow night, and be done with it. When we come back, we got another team that Kevin would like to believe is an AFC playoff contender, and a matchup that sets up easy for them. Potentially. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line as we take a look at week 11 and all the games therein. Another one that's intriguing in the AFC. Listen, Kev, if the Patriots are going to kind of remain relevant, right, and stay on the playoff graphic, or if you can lobby for Steve to keep him on the playoff graphic, they're going to have to get this one. And they travel to Houston to take on the Texans. Let me tell you real quickly how I see this one playing out. Kev, the Patriots are third in the National Football League, running for 161 yards a game, right? The Houston Texans are the worst in the NFL, giving up 167 yards per game. I don't know who it's going to be. It could be Rex Burkhead. It could be Damian Harris. Maybe we get an activated Sony Michelle. I don't know. It could be Cam Newton himself. But I do believe that the Patriots want their identity to be as a strong physical running team. I know Jacoby Myers has been, uh, you know, kind of a waiver wire guy over the last few weeks. But Cam wants to run the ball. This offense wants to run. Harris has been good recently. And now Houston probably will allow them to do so. For me, the only question is, how great is Deshaun Watson, right? If he is super great, if he is Superman, if he is at the apex of his powers, right, in the way that we've seen out of Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Russell Wilson, right? Like if Deshaun pulls one of those games then Houston is incredibly live because I do not have faith in the Patriots as much, right? But what should happen is I think the Patriots should enforce their will on a defense that has been allowing everybody else to do so. Yeah, I think this is a game where the Texans are very, very live because Watson might have a special game, right? right. Off of last we week, see it he, probably feels, he probably feels like he was restricted yes. because of the wind. He, yes. couldn't, he couldn't let yes. this thing go all around the park. But yes. New England needs to control it from the outset, right? Get up, run the football, control the net, control the game, control the circumstances. I will say, I think over 49 isn't bad. Because even if the Patriots are run, 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 if it's efficient, it can still lead to touchdown drives. So I could see those drives finishing in touchdowns, and if the Texans then, because the Texans will garbage time it up, even if the Patriots are winning the football game. So I'm, I'm leading with the pads. I think it could be an over game as well. 
I hear you. It's about Watson, right? Like Watson, two touchdowns over 100 ratings, six of his last seven. Not in the wind in Cleveland. Fuller, a touchdown catch. Six of his last seven. Not in the wind in Cleveland. It's that combo or New England punching him in the mouth. We'll come back. Hour number two is next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 